Fairly Frequencies Open, welcome to Star Trek Discoverage, a live podcast that boldly goes into excruciating detail about this week's episode of Star Trek Discovery. I'm your host, Aaron Coker, a.k.a. Caliban, and I gotta say, of all the days on my service on a starship, uh, Taco Tuesday is definitely my favorite day. Joining me on this show, uh, I usually say usually, but this time it's unusually on the show tonight, is uh, not Ella, my usual co-host. Instead, he's a science fiction writer and editor and the father half of the podcasting duo Generations Geek on the Chronic Rift Podcast Network. It's Scott Pearson. Scott, welcome to the show. Happy to be here. Happy to have you. Uh, the co-host of my co-host is my co-host. I guess. So uh, <laughs> we're in the co-host continuum here. Uh, Generations Geek is a more or less family-friendly celebration of geekdom, uh, but the daughter half is around 4,000 miles away right now in England. How are you coping? It's very strange because in this uh, futuristic sci-fi world we live in, I video call and chat with her quite regularly. Sure. Um, uh, tonight she's actually in uh, Poland. Oh, wow. Okay. And we'll be visiting Auschwitz tomorrow. She's oh, wow. doing a a World War II tour of uh, Europe. Okay, okay. That's great. And this it's a study abroad program, right? Yes, she's uh, going to Queen Mary University in London for two semesters, but she had a week off, so she's traveling about on the continent. That's great. I was talking to her before, and she was telling me that in England, they spend a lot less time actually in class than I guess we do in higher education in the U.S.? Yes. And so uh, being in England, she had a chance to attend the Destination Star Trek convention in Birmingham uh, this year, uh, which, I don't know, I'm jealous. You? I am. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and she got to see the uh, the what we leave or left behind uh, DS9 doc, uh, which uh, she said was great. And, of course, uh, we've got coverage of that and her time there on a previous episode of this show. She's also got an interview with Andrew Robinson and Max Gradenchik, and that's all in a previous episode of this show. So listeners, go check that out. Uh, also joining us on the show tonight, he's the co-host of the Delta Flyer podcast, as well as Stargate Weekly. It's Thad Hate. Thad, welcome to the show. I'm glad to be here. Good to have you. Uh, explain like I don't know what a Delta Flyer is, and tell me what you talk about on the Delta Flyer podcast. Okay, well, the Delta Flyer, it was a special shuttle that was designed on the show on Star Trek Voyager for sure. use in uh, in the Delta Quadrant, they needed something a little beefier than a regular shuttle, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, my co-host Stuart and I, we both really like the Delta Flyer in general, at the design, the the fact, the the, the whole storyline where they had to build it and everything. So we had been doing Stargate or Stargate SG One podcast, Stargate Weekly for a little while, and we decided we wanted to also do a Voyager show. So Delta Flyer just seemed like a perfect name for it. Uh, basically what we do is it's the standard podcast. There's, you know, however many hundreds of them out there already. Uh, we watch an episode of the show. We talk about it. Uh, you know, <laughs> Are you tackling I don't them? know. Are there any other podcasts that do that? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Um, I'll do some research. I'll get back to you. Do you do them in like an order? Uh, are you going like, yeah, we, from... we, yeah, we've started at the beginning. We're going the whole way through. Uh, okay. Right now, we're on. We're in season two of Voyager. Okay. Um, I just finished uh, a watch through of DS Nine, um, and I did a TNG a year or two back, and I'm getting into Voyager now. 
and I'm still in like the first uh, season or so, and I've noticed, you know, you know how it is with Trek shows. They start off kind of a little shaky, and then they kind of firm up as they go. Um, does Do you think Voyager does the same thing? Because to be honest, I haven't really watched To some extent, Voyager. yes, but yeah. I think Voyager honestly does a pretty good job with season two. It's, Voyager season two is much better than TNGs, uh, and I okay. would even say it's better than DS9. There's a couple great episodes in season one of DS9, but there's also some not-so-great episodes. Yeah. Voyager, uh, when we watched vo- season one of Voyager, there was only one episode that I regretted watching. <laughs> <laughs> okay, which one's that? Uh, Ex Post Facto. Oh, the one where okay. Tom Paris is accused of murder and has the memory the fake memories of committing murder implanted in his head and yeah yeah but anyway overall i think voyager season one is holds up fairly well as far as season ones of star trek spinoffs go uh because <laughs> obviously it's yeah a lot of times they they take a little while to to find their footing yeah uh, I think I don't know if you would agree with this, but I feel like Voyager is kind of the middle child of the Trek family. I don't know if you've ever seen the meme online where it's like a picture of a family, you know, like a Sears portrait from the 80s. And the uh, it's got the mom and the dad and like the kid. And then there's like a goth kid. And uh, and then they've all got like the names of the shows on them. <laughs> so like the dad <laughs> is the original series. The mom is TNG. I feel like Voyager is kind of the nerdy sort of somewhat not forgotten but po- possibly neglected middle child um, i think it is now uh, okay sure in the 90s i'd say that was ds9 yeah okay i could see that yeah uh, i don't know where that leaves enterprise um i i'd say that uh, enterprise <laughs> is the, like the weird neighbor played by david leisure or something like that um what other than yeah. to give your show context do you think viewers should give voyager another look if it's been a while yes i definitely do i I think, obviously, with any show, there are good things and there are bad things. Uh, Voyager definitely, I think, could have been better than it was, but I think it's still it's still pretty good on its own. I think if it had been made in the 2000s and was more of a serialized show, it really would have benefited from that format. But I think it does really work as it is. The characters are really good. And they do some just great sci-fi stories. So, yeah, I think it holds up. And I think if you are not sure about Voyager, maybe give it another shot. Okay. Well, you heard it here first. Um, I will definitely do that. I'm doing that now. So I'll let you know what I come up with. Uh, We are awaiting the return, all of us, of Star Trek Discovery on January 17th next year. Mm -hmm. But we've got a chance to look back on what we've gotten so far. Thad, what did you think of the first season of Discovery? Overall, I liked it. Um. I my only big gripe was I thought they spent a little too long in the mirror universe and they spent not nearly enough time wrapping up the story at the end of the season. Did you want them to have more time uh, like after uh, having solved the problem with the Klingons and everything? I wanted them to not solve the problem with the Klingons in one episode (laughs) or in one act of one episode. Yeah, yeah. right. (laughs) Yeah, I feel that. <laughs> I, I understand that, right? Uh Scott, we've talked about the show before, uh, but since we've talked, uh, have you had any new uh, insights about Discovery? Um, <laughs> not necessarily that I can share. Oh. <laughs> yeah, okay, all right. So, um, Scott n- knows secret things. I would just say of the... I, I enjoyed the first season. I think that 
Uh, it is very, very fast-paced storytelling, and yeah. I would, I would often appreciate if we got a little bit more breathing room in the episodes. Okay. Okay. Uh, I think it's a very, it's a very, very contemporary way to tell a Star Trek story, and I think it's bringing in a lot of younger people that really like the uh, slam bang action. Sure. So I'm 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 glad it's doing that, but yeah, I I could use another episode or so to slow things down a little bit. Well, we've just seen the second in a series of four short films set in the universe of Star Trek Discovery called Short Treks. This week's is called Calypso, and before we start, as always, we're setting a course for the spoiler zone. So be warned, listeners. We're glad you've decided to join us, but if you haven't seen the episode, spoilers are incoming. The official synopsis for Calypso is after waking up in an unfamiliar sickbay, Kraft finds himself on board a deserted ship, and his only companion and hope for survival is an AI computer interface. The teleplay for this episode is by Michael Shaben, who is probably best known as the author of Cavalier and Clay and Wonder Boys. He's also written for the screen uh, previously uh, with Spider-Man 2, John Carter, and he's one of the writers for the upcoming Hasbro Cinematic Universe. Do you guys know about this? <laughs> what now? No, that's a new one to me. <laughs> Mask, uh, Visionaries, uh, anybody the right age to have played with these toys? Remember Mask? It's kind of like Transformers and G.I. Joe had a baby together. <laughs> just me. It's just me. Okay, well, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, it's going to be with Paramount, and there are talents like Michael Shaban, uh, Che Hodari Coker, who worked on uh, Luke Cage, amongst other things, and uh, Sons of Anarchy, Nicole Perlman, who worked with the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, and Brian K. Vaughn are all going to make this toy thing the new MCU. You watch. Hmm. Uh, Is it gonna, the, I'm more excited about him. Go ahead. What? I'm sorry. I was. Go ahead. I, I was just saying I'm more excited to see what he does uh, with his work on the Picard series. <laughs> yeah, I guess. But I'm really looking forward to that Visionary series, though. <laughs> I'm just wondering if the Hasbro Cinematic Universe is also going to include Transformers and My Little Pony. Because if they can manage to combine <laughs> all of that into one thing, that, that would be a sight to see. The smart thing is to build to it, right? You start with your G.I. Joe, and then over the course of several films, you bring them together as the Plastic <laughs> Avengers. That's what you have to do. <laughs> the story for this yeah. episode is by Sean Cochran and Michael Shaben. Uh, Sean Cochran is a television writer. He's a staff writer for Discovery, and he wrote Despite Yourself, the first season Discovery episode. And uh, it was directed by uh, Olatunde Osunsanmi, who is a Nigerian-American director and producer and directed The Butcher's Knife Cares Not for the Lamb's Cry in the first season of Discovery. Here's a fun fact about the episode. The word calypso comes from the Greek kalypso, to hide or to deceive. Uh, and another fun fact, the word has a common etymological origin with the English word hell. Uh, calypso was a uh, nymph in the, uh, in the Odyssey, an enchanted Odysseus with lots of singing and lots of weaving, apparently. Very seductive. Uh, one more fun fact, Calypso was the name of the captain's yacht on the Enterprise D. Uh, the name of the yacht was changed to the Cousteau for the Enterprise E going forward. So with all that in mind, or throwing that all away, what did you guys think <laughs> of Runaway? Thad, what were your impressions of the show? You mean Calypso? Oh, yeah, sorry, Calypso. I'm looking at my uh, the wrong notes here. <laughs> uh, I enjoyed it. I'm not entirely sure like 
I, I did enjoy it, but I felt like it is very much Star Trek adjacent. Yes, it's set on a Starfleet ship, but yeah. nothing about the story required it to be so. Okay, I can see that. What for you uh, would then be something that is um, dead on uh, Star Trek then, not just adjacent? If it in any way tied into existing Star Trek. Okay. So I guess uh, I'll go back to my original question, uh, which was asked in error, but now was correct. What did you think of Runaway? Uh, <laughs> same thing. <laughs> I, I, I no, said no. Same I mean, thing. Run, Runaway was a little was a little more. It was a little more grounded in Star Trek because we had an actual character from Discovery in it, and we yeah. got to see some. We got to see Tilly acting like Tilly. Now I I had a few plot issues with Runaway, oh. uh, but. Or uh, actually, I listened to your episode about Runaway to prepare for this, and oh. a lot of what you guys were saying was what I thought as well. Uh, <laughs> then I know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but this one, I enjoyed it. It's a it's a nice little sci fi story. I think overall, I enjoyed the story better than I enjoyed the story in Runaway because uh, mm-hmm. the story didn't have quite as many holes as Runaway did. Yeah, but it just. It felt like a sci-fi short film that happened to take place on a Star Trek set. Yeah, I can see that. Scott, what about you? I quite enjoyed it, uh, but yeah, it it uh, it wasn't as um, tied directly in to uh, our uh, regular cast. Yeah. Uh, but it was a very sweet little story, um, playing well off the uh, Calypso mythology. And uh, good uh, acting, good performance from uh, both of them. And I'm I'm kind of a sucker for old movies, and so <laughs> when the Paramount uh, Paramount Archive, yeah. So <laughs> suddenly, when we're watching Fred Astaire and Audrey Hepburn, I I, I was I was hooked right there. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, yeah, she looked all the through the ship's library, and there's no Warner Brothers films in there. It was weird. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, okay, uh, I can see that, and the connection to the mythological idea of Calypso, I think, is definitely um, is present too. Uh, if only nymphs had a 4,000k TV like the Discovery has. <laughs> <laughs> I like. I mean, they, okay, so they don't have holodecks, I guess. But if you can just project holograms, it's, it makes movie watching a, a whole other experience, which is kind of cool. I um you guys might have to hold me back here. I don't know what it is, but I was disappointed. I like there was um speaking of craft, I mean there was craft definitely evident in this episode as there is in all episodes of Discovery so far, but I felt really cheated by the promos promising something uh really sort of spooky and and weird, you know, and and maybe it was just me watching too many Ridley Scott movies or something like that. But I was expecting something that was going to be real uh, sort of arch and dire. And instead, it it was a very touching. And I didn't want to be touched. Don't touch me. (laughs) (laughs) No, I had I'd forgotten how the uh, the previews really were heavy on on when he first woke up. And yeah, it it did really play like it was going to be a dark, scary episode, maybe because they were running those previews in the like around Halloween time or something. I don't know. But uh, so, yeah, it was a completely different show than what (laughs) the previews led you to believe. Yeah. 
Plus, I have to throw away all my questions that I had prepared about scary episodes of Star Trek <laughs> that I wrote around the time of Halloween. But I'll ask one just in general before we dig into the specifics of the episode. Um, do you guys think that Trek could be or should be doing more um, spooky stories? I think that like spooky isn't something that Trek often tries. And when it does, I'm not sure it pulls it off specifically well. Um, that are there any uh, Voyager episodes that you think that really land uh, the spooky well? Oh well, there's the haunting of Deck Twelve. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, ghost stories. Um, other than that, spooky on Voyager, not too much. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, when I think spooky Star Trek, my first thought is TNG Genesis. Okay, yeah, that that's spooky. Uh, uh, what's what's the one too where it's specifically a ghost story, um, where uh, the guy's like his energy ghost is haunting the the warp nacelle or, or whatever? I can't remember the title of it. I really not sure. Apparently, I'm blanking I, on that. One. I think I just made this up. Forget that. Forget that. I'm going to write that up as a spec. Um, there's also there's... the DS9 episode Empok Nor is very yeah. spooky. Yeah. There's the episode of TNG where they're being sort of abducted in their sleep and oh yeah schisms yeah schisms yeah yeah. that one's scary i think that you know here and there trying to uh mash up the sci-fi star trek thing with horror can be uh pretty effective it's something that i don't think you want to go to the well too often in a star trek show yeah but uh here and there when they've done it they have done some pretty effectively creepy shows yeah, like um, the the Borg, I suppose, uh, you know, at least initially are very scary. I think like the the real key to pulling off horror or something scary is is dread. And I think dread is hard to maintain in a world of on-demand tea, Earl Grey hot, you know, every, <laughs> everything's so yeah. evenly lit, you know. But, but in Discovery, um, you know, the lighting's different, of course, but there's a sense of dread hanging over things. And in some ways, I think that th- it's what people complain about when they say that Discovery doesn't feel like Trek. Because you've got this sense that things can go wrong, you know, the, the, they can fly off the handle and people could die because we've seen it happen. So the door is mm-hmm. open for you to do shows where scary things happen instead of a show where Tom Paris pulls his own tongue out and the, the next scene he's cracking jokes in his bathrobe. <laughs> no offense, that. <laughs> well, in this episode uh, specifically, uh, we learn a few things. And I wanted you guys' thoughts about... Uh, this, the particular episode, but also what we're what we're finding out in these short treks. We seem to be, um, uh, like Dad said, seeing out of context things. But I wonder if they will have uh, come into focus as having more context as we get into season two. Uh, in this episode, we've got this guy who is in this escape pod. He's picked up by presumably the Discovery that that we know and have followed. And he's informed that it's uh, lain dormant for a thousand years. So what do you guys think is going on there? It doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> we, 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 have, yeah, we have no idea what's going on. Uh, the Zora, the computer AI, uh, which says that the crew has been gone for a thousand years. Mm-hmm. But that still doesn't tell us where the the discovery is and and how that relates to the time period of the normal show because obviously the normal show doesn't have a zora ai yeah so there's been some sort of indeterminate time period between 
what we know of Discovery and when Zora is on Discovery, and then there's a thousand years <laughs> after that. So, yeah, we just have no idea what's going on here. Any uh, theories on what's happening, Thad? I, we don't have enough information. I really have nothing. <laughs> um, what I can say is it doesn't, like, at first glance, it doesn't make any sense to me that the Discovery has been completely abandoned for a thousand years. Right. So we know that he comes from a planet that is in their database. So that means that it's not, like, it's most likely not somewhere way out in the middle of nowhere. Right. And I th are you are you saying, too, that he is presumably he hasn't traveled through some kind of time warp. So he's from some planet that's been settled in the yeah. 31st or not. I can't do the math, but a thousand years after Discovery's 33rd. time. Right. Yeah. So that's yeah. That, that's why he doesn't know what a taco is. Right. And that's what makes sense, because uh, Discovery says that. Uh, there weren't Zora says that there weren't human settlements there in her records. Sure, so, sure. yeah, so that makes sense that he's from farther in the future, or well, I guess the present. And but anyway, uh, <laughs> what doesn't make sense to me is Discovery is within shuttle warp range of this planet, so that means it's not Discovery itself is not on the far side of the galaxy or anything like that. How has it just sat there? forgotten about for a thousand years right yeah um i don't know either uh if i'm taking the ball back uh i um <laughs> it's one of those things that you know especially one of the things that i was really looking forward to with the short treks is seeing how they dealt with a 15 to 20 minute segment of story where we can't have Harry Kim come out and tell us, you know, everything that they found out in the scan or whatever. And so that's why I don't <laughs> care. That's why I don't care about where um, the girl beams to at the end of Runaway. Do you know what I mean? Like it's it takes care of itself. She beams somewhere and it's fine. Um, but, yeah, this is just either this is specifically they want they needed the sets of discovery because they weren't going to build a new set and they right. wanted to tell this very specific story and so to do that they had to make it a thousand years in the future and so maybe it has nothing to do with the run of the show discovery it just at some point in the future discovery will yeah. be abandoned uh or and i'm hoping this is what it is it will somehow tie into what is happening in season two with the lights and the red angel and and all that mess that's going to go on well, maybe we'll get Zora in season two. Yeah, maybe. Why uh, did you guys pick up any significance in the name Zora? No, no. I I looked that up and nothing really leaped out at me as having any significance. Whereas Calypso, obviously, the the Calypso Odysseus story is. I mean, this this is a retelling of that. Yeah. Uh, what did you guys think about the significance or lack thereof of his his name or his not name um, or, or, or whatever? Um, he originally uh, tells Zora that his name is Quarrel, and uh, then later on he says that it's Craft. I think it's just some sort of cultural thing where he's from that we don't get the full story on because it's only 15 minutes. Yep. Uh, because when we get to the end... Uh, and she's asking about his real name, and yeah. he says, "Well, you'd you'd give me that name or whatever." Uh, so it it implies that there is a a more complicated cultural thing going on behind the scenes there about how 
his people handle their names and sharing their names or giving names. Sure. They have like a private name and then possibly like a descriptive, like public name. Yeah. Um, I guess that makes sense to me. Um, I, did you guys, did anybody get a real Wally vibe from this episode? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> you know, Wally, the Pixar movie, <laughs> you've got a, uh, no. a, a machine consciousness that's left alone for hundreds of years uh, with a classic film and sort of uh, develops uh, its own sort of way of thinking and then connects with an outsider. It's, you know, <laughs> I thought there was parallels there. I also got a little shades of hell when, uh, when we first got our look at the little right. round monitor on the yeah, wall watching right. him. When we were tricked into thinking that it was going to be sinister. But instead she gives him tacos. <laughs> <laughs> if only Hal had given everybody tacos, that would have been a totally different movie. Yeah. I think you should try the tacos, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> we're out of salsa, Dave. <laughs> I really like the line, what's a Tuesday? Yeah, yeah, Exactly. Um, well, the uh, voice of uh, Zorro is played by Annabelle Wallace, uh, who's another um, Paramount actress, I guess. She was in the, the Mummy movie, which is, of course, uh, directed by Alex Kurtzman. So they're keeping it in the family there. Have you guys uh -huh. seen Aldous Hodge on, um, I guess he was on uh, Leverage Lever before? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Leverage was a lot. I, I really enjoyed that show, and he was pretty good in that. He was the techie computer guy. Okay. Okay, cool. I have not seen that, but I will check it out on your recommendation. It's fun. I mean, it's not like, you know, uh, an amazing feat of television master. <laughs> don't, don't walk it back now. I'm going to go watch it. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's a fun show. It's because uh, it's like uh, every episode is a heist. So that's kind of fun. Yeah. Uh, well, OK, so I guess uh, you guys helped me. I didn't have to go uh, as ham as I thought on the episode. Um, it's fine. It's just that sort of thing where you, you get something. <laughs> Uh, that you're not Santa brought you something other than what you asked for. And then once you <laughs> calm down, you realize uh, how warm and comfortable a sweater will actually be. So uh, did you guys think that there was any significance to the um, the Betty Boop uh, St. James Infirmary clip that he's shown over and over again? Betty Boop is another Paramount property. <laughs> well, yeah, uh, other than that. <laughs> I, I couldn't even tell what was going on in the Betty Boop clip. Just yeah, the was, way that it was the... like. Yeah. Sliced and you know, it's like that was Betty Boop. That's really all I knew about it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I so I was I was wondering, well, how is that going to make sense? Why is he watching uh, Betty Boop? And uh, and then of course we get a, a joke reference back to it that it turns out that he couldn't turn it off, and it just right. kept playing. Right. Uh, it's a good thing that they didn't um, play the mummy uh, over and over again, or he would come out insane. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> I tried to watch that movie. Uh, I did not succeed. You did not make it through The Mummy. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, um, I think, you know, it's a short episode. I think we covered just about anything. Was there any other points or uh, questions that you guys had about Calypso that you wanted to talk about? I want one of those um, Discovery popcorn buckets. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just... Uh... I liked what they did with the relationship between the AI and craft, uh, how they built it up, how you could see the, the developing emotions and how you had the, 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 the very sweet dance scene where he does this favor for her. 
but then of course you see it all fall apart yeah. when he uh, realizes that he's awkwardly having, you know, pretty. Well, you you could take it two ways: either that he is actually feeling emotions for the AI. Or just the fact that he's just been reminded very starkly of what he's missing, right. uh, not being with his wife. And so then it's kind of heartbreaking for the the AI. But unlike the uh, Calypso of legend, I don't know if you read much of the mythology, but in in the uh, in the original legend, Calypso, is trying to keep Odysseus for herself forever. And Zeus has to step in and tell her, <laughs> send a message to her. You got to let this guy go. So the, uh, the original Calypso did not have a, uh, an epiphany and realized that, that she needed to release <laughs> the man that she'd captured. Right. But Kirk killed Zeus. He blew up his temple. <laughs> well, that was Apollo. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, okay. Well, and so it leaves you though wondering, you know. So you're kind of happy for him that he's got this chance now to go back, but then you know, poor Zora is just left alone again for forever, yeah. <laughs> as far as we know. I guess so. <laughs> so yeah, it's got some really. Um, it had it had more heft to it than uh, the Tilly episode. As much as I loved watching Tilly, because I am definitely hashtag Team Tilly. But mm -hmm. um, but yeah, this this one had a little bit more meat on its bones, even though it's much more disconnected from the continuity that we're aware of. Yeah. And I mean, at this point, I'm not making any more predictions about anything. But I do hope that. <laughs> Uh, I did like the idea of it, and I, I hope that it is brought around some way, um, not only to you know to pay off our investment um, in it emotionally, but also because I just think it's kind of cool. Like, what if the ship, you know, Zora should stick around? Maybe. Um, oh, I also... I, there was one more thing I wanted to mention sure. that the in when when Calypso in the myth releases Odysseus, she does have to provide him a raft to go. Okay, and sure. of course, in this face. Zora had to provide <laughs> the uh, the shuttlecraft. So right. yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, all right. You guys have brought me all the way around. I now like it. <laughs> I uh, <laughs> I do think that it is uh, quite an achievement, um, Scott. When you were talking about how they were um, sort of showing the way that, the, like, the way they show the time that they spend together, and the fact that. It, you know, this could be an entire movie. This could be like a like an hour outer limits episode. Um, you know, like takes place over an hour, and they do it in a very short amount of time. And you know, we didn't get the sort of sinister thing where she's like, "Put on the suit and dance with me." Like we didn't get, <laughs> we didn't get a thing like that. But uh, I, I'm on board. Uh, I, I'm all with it. Uh, well, you know, usually on Discoverage we talk about um, we check our threat ganglia and we see who we think is going to be killed off next uh, on the show. But these short films focus on main characters. Actually, they seem to focus on maybe characters that won't return. So who knows if they're going to live or die? Let's instead speculate on what we think is going to happen in next month's short trek, The Brightest Star. It like I said, I'm like not making prequel. predictions anymore. So it looks like a prequel. 
mm-hmm. but okay. I could be completely wrong. It looks like it's a prequel about like Saru deciding to leave his planet and join Starfleet. Yeah. But you know, I also thought this was going to be some sort of spooky, scary thing. So, you know, <laughs> I could be completely wrong about that too. Well, but he does, we see him say something about, are there, are there aliens out there or people up there? I can't remember what, what the line was, but yeah, it it does seem to imply that it's before he is in Starfleet or knows about it. You know. Do we know how long uh, Kelpians live? I don't believe we do. Okay, maybe we'll maybe we'll find that out. Uh, Scott, you probably can't say anything, so I guess I won't ask you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I um, yeah. Hopefully, we'll get something like that. And I can't remember; I've reported on it in the past on the show, but I know that they have hired an actor who has similar skills to Doug Jones as far as performance and being kind of a tall, skinny guy. Um, so maybe he'll play Saru's dad or, or a family member of him or something like that. So it'll be good to see more of Saru's planet. Ever since they introduced the Kelpians, um, I've wanted to know more about them. I think that they could, there's somebody that there's somebody that if you dig into, they can be really interesting, but otherwise they could be really one note. Like their species are prey and they I sense death, and you, maybe you'd never go back to it. But I, I hope that they really um, show us more of his home world and what what that's like. Have you read Fear itself? I have not read Fear Itself. You caught me. It's pretty good. Yeah, good. I actually uh, have enjoyed all three of the Discovery books so far, but Fear Itself is, is definitely quite good. Okay. Well, okay, so I got to check out uh, I gotta more Voyager. <laughs> I got to check out Leverage, and I got to read uh, the Discovery prequel books, which I own but I have not read yet. Um, let's see. Speaking of Dread... Kind of. We sort of spoke about Dread. Not as much as I wanted to in this episode. Uh, I'm looking forward to the next episode. Um, I kind of want to see how his people, how they get around day to day. It seems like it's not very fun to be a Kelpian or a him uh, if they're just prey, essentially. Like, do the books get into what it's like living on their planet? Not a lot. It, uh, But it does give you give us some insight in what it's like living as prey. Okay. Okay. Well, yep. yeah, I pay student loans, so I know, I know what that's like. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it for our show this week. Thanks for joining us, listeners. If you like what you hear, you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at EIST Pod for updates and to get notified when new episodes of both Enterprising Individuals and Discoverage are released. You can also tweet to us on the show using the hashtag Discoverage or email us at EISTPod at gmail.com. And while you're on the internet, why not head to your listening platform of choice and subscribe to our show? Give us a rating and a review if you think of it because it really helps us out. Uh, also, I wanted to mention that we've got merch. You can check out our T-shirts available on our Public store. Search for Just Enough Trope on Public. That's our parent network. Get our snazzy Trek wear. And if you really want to support the show, stop by our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash EISTpod. And as always, if you like the show, tell a friend. Discoverage will return next month on Thursday, December 6th for the next short trek, The Brightest Star. We'll go live just like we did tonight at 9 p.m. Central. So join us again then. In the meantime, you can check out our main show at enterprisingindividuals.com. Uh, just last week, or actually just yesterday, we released a show about this side of paradise from the original series, which is a real high point of season one. And it's one of my favorite episodes. Do you guys have uh, favorite episodes of Trek? Thad, what's your favorite episode of Voyager? A Voyager? Uh, probably Blink of an Eye. Oh, okay. That's a good one. Scott, do you have a, f- a favorite original series episode? 
I cannot choose amongst my babies. <laughs> we talked about the Corbomite maneuver on. Uh, um, or no, no, wait. Sorry, the, we talked about Doomsday Machine on Doomsday Machine. Yeah. Uh, amok time, you know, mm-hmm. uh, sitting on the edge forever. Kind of the the, the usuals. Yeah. I guess. Devil in the dark. Devil in the oh, dark. Oh, that's yeah. a good one. Another good one. Late first season episode. Uh, really good stuff. Uh, so join us uh, for another episode. Uh, it's actually a Voyager episode. Uh, the next time we go live, and I'll give you a hint, it's often thought of as the worst Voyager episode. So, so you'll be crossing some sort of threshold to watch that one? Uh, possibly, yeah. But I'll hold Salamanders? I'll Little hold Salamanders? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, Dad, thanks so much for joining me on this show. Uh, remind people where they can find you online. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Tyrannicus. That's T-Y-R-A-N-I-C-U-S. And you right. can check out... Uh, my Voyager podcast, Delta Flyer, at Delta Flyer Pod. And I also have a Stargate podcast, Stargate Weekly, which is just at Stargate Weekly. And where are you guys at? What's coming up next on Delta Flyer Pod? Uh, Delta Flyer, we're just uh, going to record an episode this week about alliances. So we're coming up on the threshold, too, actually. Okay, awesome. It's and oh, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. so sorry. No, I'm so sorry. No, go ahead. You're fine. No, I'm so sorry that you're coming up on threshold. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Scott, where can people find Generations Geek? You can find our website, uh, generationsgeek.com, which has links to all of our episodes. You can follow us on Twitter. We're on Instagram. You can also follow me on Twitter at S. Michael Pearson. And my personal website is www.yashure.net, Y-E-A-H-S-U-R-E. And you can find out uh, all sorts of stuff that I'm doing from there. Great. What's coming up on Generations Geek? The next episode, which will be going up any day now, uh, science fiction writer William Leisner drops by and we review First Man, the Neil... uh, Armstrong biopic, yeah. and and then uh, Ella Skypes in at the end to tell us about uh, seeing the Doctor Who season premiere in London. Mm. That's wasn't she? Um, she was in um, a newspaper or something. I thought I saw in France. Yes, just, yeah, she was uh, the 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 Doctor Who premiere party that she went to was covered on the website of Le Monde. Oh, cool. Okay. Strangely <laughs> wow. enough, <That's> random. <laughs> Well, that's great. Uh, Okay, well, check those out, everybody. Uh, Thanks again for joining us, and that's it for us. Thanks for listening. We're signing off, and this is Aaron for Thad and Scott saying, live long and prosper. 